for the end of the service. Second, we invite you to put your tray tables up and fasten your seatbelts for the message. I need to stand on the axe. <laughs> yeah, you keep getting I closer. I, I kind of want to be like at six yeah. feet, buddy. <laughs> Here, your barbecue fan. Yeah, that's not going to work for me. Can you do that every time for me, please? Start talking. <laughs> hey, moron. Dude, that's you, buddy. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to Christ Community Church Online. We're so glad that you've tuned in to join us today. I'm Adam. And I'm Jeremy, and we're your service hosts for today. Now, we have a few quick announcements for you. First, we'll be having kitchen communion today at the end of service. So, for those of you who are at home and are watching uh, Church Online, just grab some juice, some crackers, really pretty much anything works, and join communion with us. Second, we'll be attaching a video version of today's town hall to Daryl's email going out this Tuesday, July 7th. We invite you to take a few minutes to watch that. Hey, are you a barbecue fan? Oh, yeah. Well, we have a great event for you. Next Saturday, July 11th, our local outreach partner, Next Chapter Ministries, is having a barbecue cookout from 4 to 8 p.m. here at church. This is how it works. It's a drive through style pickup. All the proceeds go to helping change the culture of crime in Olmstead County. It's a great opportunity for you to attend church, support their ministry, grab some dinner to go. All you have to do is go to their website to place an order. Hey kids, Kid City is reopening, and we're so excited to let you know that next weekend, July 11th and 12th, we'll start the first phase of Kid City reopening. That's right, most of our early childhood rooms will be reopening so the kids can learn about God and get the wiggles out while parents attend service. Make sure you keep an eye out for the details through email or on our website this week. Christ Community Church Online is just about to start, so wherever you are or however you're watching this, we invite you to stand to your feet, put your hands together, and engage in all that God has for you today. All right, let's worship.
Leave it. 
the words that you can start it in me. It sometimes feels like it's shaky ground because we don't really know what that means when we want you to burn the rubbish in our life and in our hearts, God, and just leave what's pure and whole and refined. Sometimes that's a painful process. But God, we can offer to you those words that refine us, renew us, because we've placed our complete hope and our trust in you. So everything that we have is yours. You created us, so we give us ourselves back to you so that you can refine us. And when we say that you can start it in me, God, we don't want it just to start and then be done, but we want to carry it through to those in our areas and our surrounding communities, God, that we just light the torch and that a revival happens where we, we have no choice but to be focused on you and to be pointed to you, God. So we present ourselves as offerings before you to be refined and refreshed and renewed. And we thank you that we can trust you. In your name we pray, amen. Welcome back, Online Church. If you're just jumping in now, I'm Adam. And I'm Jeremy. Thanks so much for worshiping with us today. Hey, first, we just want to say thank you for continuing to be faithful with your online giving during this season. God the Father gave his only begotten Son, and he continues to be generous and loving to us. Since he gave first, we just want you to know that during this time in our service, we are responding with our generosity as we prepare for our offering. If you haven't already taken the opportunity and would like to join along and worship through giving, there's a give link on your screen or in our Facebook post. We invite you to take this moment during our announcements to give and join us in our mission of restoring our broken world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as always, we want to give a huge thanks for your generosity. If you're new here, thank you so much for turning into our online church experience. We are so glad you're here. Whether you've been with us for years or this is your first time watching with us online, we want to give you a warm welcome to our church. If you're interested in getting connected to CCC, we invite you to fill out our online connection card. You can find this by clicking the connect link on your screen or in the Facebook post. Or you can even click on our live prayer button and one of our service hosts can get you connected that way too. We're so excited to connect with you. At Christ Community Church, we believe in the power of prayer. If you have anything specific that you want to bring before the Lord or any praises you want to lift up, we would love to stand with you and come alongside you in prayer today. You can request live prayer through our streaming service and one of our service hosts will pray with you right then and there. Otherwise, you can submit a prayer request too. The prayer page on our website allows you to request one-on-one -on -one prayer where you can sign up to receive a call from one of our prayer partners. We want to continue to partner with you in prayer in any way that we can because the power of prayer is so vital during these uncertain times. So thanks again for tuning in to Christ Community Church Online. Now, here's the message from Daryl.
Them, you can now glimpse the future with nothing more than a modem, a phone line. I have a dream today. For them, treating coronavirus has an extra layer of stress. As a soldier, though a soldier of peace. Oh, yes! Chaos to try to help just after those harrowing explosions rocked the finish line of the Boston Marathon. When a man walked to the middle of the avenue of eternal peace. Freedom for all. Mankind. A fireman carried an American flag to the mast and raced it. Happy Fourth of July weekend, Christ Community Church. I hope you're having a great weekend celebrating and enjoying the freedom that God has given to us here in our country. To those of you who serve and who sacrificed so that we can have these freedoms, thank you. And thank you for joining us on this, on this holiday weekend. There's so many different things that you could be doing today, and you've chosen to make worship a priority. And I know that that honors God, and I believe He's going to bless you and honor you for that. Um, this week, we're starting a new series that we're calling Defining Moments. And what we're doing is looking at the lives of men and women in the Scriptures Moments of truth in their lives, defining moments. And in looking at these defining moments, we're going to be able to learn not just about these men and women. We're going to be able to learn about ourselves and we're going to learn about God. We're going to see how we can notice a defining moment when it comes, how we can rise to the occasion in ways that honor God, how we can receive his blessing as we walk forward in our lives. And I'm really excited for us in this series. I believe it's going to be really um, not only interesting to you, but also helpful for you as you go forward in your life. We're going to start this series this week by looking what I believe is the second defining moment in the Scriptures. We'll be looking at the lives of our first parents, Adam and Eve. It's in Genesis 3. And I want us to look at this second defining moment first, because Adam and Eve missed the first defining moment. There was a moment of truth presented to them. They didn't see it for what it was. They, they failed. They fell. And, and it was only in getting past that moment were they able to realize what they had missed. And I think all of us can identify with that. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty, And we sometimes miss these moments of truth and it's not until we're past them that we realize that we missed it or that we failed to rise to the occasion. And, and over these next several weeks, we're going to have opportunities to, to see maybe where we have missed in the past, opportunities to, to receive something that God wanted to give us, to do something that God had for us, to grow in a way that God was intending for us to grow. We might we see where we missed something. And in that, I want us to know what kind of God we have as we explore maybe where we've missed these defining moments. So if you have a Bible, you might want to open with me to Genesis chapter 3. And as we step into this, let me just kind of give you the summary of what we're going to talk about today. It's really just kind of three phrases. Um, the first statement is to have faith. The second is to receive forgiveness. And then the third little phrase is that to move forward into what God has for you. And so I'm really excited. I'm really excited for us to be able to explore today our first parents, Adam and Eve. Um, I want to read for us Genesis chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. They won't make a whole lot of sense just straight out of the gate, but we'll back up and give you a little context 
to help us as we understand these verses. This is Genesis 3, 20 and 21. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. So let me just kind of back us up a little bit into these are the first pages of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 1, it talks about how God created the heavens and the earth and it walks through the six days of creation. And at the end of each day, God saw that it was good. And we get to the last verse of Genesis chapter 1, the observation that the writer of Genesis tells us God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And so God has created this very good earth and there's no one to work it, to keep it, to nurture it, to grow it. And so what God does is creates Adam and then he creates Eve and he puts them in the first marriage relationship with each other. And so here they are in this very good earth as husband and wife, man and woman, the first parents on the earth and the description of them in their relationship is at the end of Genesis chapter 2. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. And so they're living in this perfect environment as innocent people who are enjoying all that God has made for them, enjoying a relationship with God, a face-to-face relationship with God. And we don't know how long that lasted. I personally don't think it was very long before we are introduced to a third character in the early days of our earth, and he's identified as the serpent. We know from later on in the scripture this is Satan, God's enemy, our adversary, the one who's trying to destroy us, destroy everything that God loves. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? And you know the story where God had told Adam and Eve, You're in this garden, you can eat from the fruit of any tree except this one. It's a tree of knowledge of good and evil. God reserved that for himself. He did not want that to be eaten by his creation. And Satan used that prohibition to tempt Eve particularly, but Adam and Eve together. If you read through those first six verses there, it describes the back and forth between the serpent and Eve. And the end of all of that is that Eve took the fruit from the forbidden tree And she ate it, and she gave it to Adam, and he also ate it in direct violation of the command that God had given to them. They didn't realize when that serpent came and began to speak to Eve and to question what God had said and to tempt her and Adam into eating this fruit, they just totally missed it in that moment that that was was a moment of truth. That was a defining moment, not only for them, but for all their children through all the generations. That was, that was their moment of truth. And they completely and totally missed it. They failed. They fell. They blew it in those moments. And in those moments, everything about this perfect earth that God had created and about this beautiful, innocent relationship that they enjoyed, everything in that, it was destroyed. And so the scripture begins to tell us how all of that comes unraveled. Verse 7 in Genesis chapter 3, they've eaten it, eaten the fruit, and then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And, and so here they were in this relationship that was naked and unashamed, and now they realize that they're naked and there's shame in their relationship, and they're trying to cover themselves And then in verse 8, the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. 
and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And so they have this, their conscience stricken at this point. There's something inside of them sounding all the alarms of here comes the Lord. And instead of running to meet him, now they're running to hide from him. And so they've, they've not only like there's this damage in their relationship and they're damaged in this relationship with God. And then God asks them, hey, what's up? Why are you hiding from me? What's happened here? And why have you done what you've done? And he asks first of Adam, he says, where are you? And Adam says, I heard you were in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. And then God says, hey, how do you know? Like, how did you know this? What happened? And God's not asking this question because he's wondering. He's asking this question because he wants to hear Adam and Eve say it out loud. And Adam starts his answer like, I, we ate the fruit, but the woman that you gave to me, she's the one who gave me the fruit. And then, and then the woman says, hey, it wasn't me, it's the serpent. The serpent tricked us. And so you've got Adam and Eve now who enjoyed this beautiful, innocent, naked, and unashamed relationship. They're not pointing their fingers at each other and blaming, and there's conflict in that relationship. And, and they end up blaming the serpent, and then God begins to speak into this in Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 14. In these first 13 verses, we've seen God talk first to Adam and then to Eve, and now he kind of goes in reverse order. He's, he begins to speak to the serpent, and then he's going to speak to Eve and finally to Adam. And speaking to the serpent, he says, Cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals, and you're going to crawl on your belly. And then he says to Eve, There's going to be pain for you in childbearing, and there's going to be conflict in your relationship with your husband. And then he says to Adam, there's going to be, you know, first of all, cursed is the ground because of you. And it's interesting to me that God cursed the serpent and he cursed the ground, but he did not curse the people. He gave the people consequences for their failure, for their sin, for their fall. He gave them these massive, sweeping, long-living consequences for their for their desire to be independent from him. They wanted to live independently of him. And in some ways he's saying, you want this? Yes, I'm going to give it to you. And so to the woman, her consequences were pain in childbearing. To the man, his consequence was pain in working the ground. He's going to now, like the ground's going to produce thorns and thistles where before it produced plants and fruit. And he's going to have pain in working the ground. And their relationship is going to be a struggle between the two of them and for the two of them. And ultimately, they were going to experience physical death. God had told them back in Genesis chapter 2, don't eat from the fruit of this tree because the day that you eat from it, you are going to die. And then when he is confronting them with their sin, their willful independence from him, he reminds them that there is there's physical death coming for you. This is Genesis chapter 3, verse, seven, verse 19. At the end of verse 19, he says to Adam, um, you will return to the ground since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. And facing what theologians call the curse, all of this Genesis chapter 3, where God has cursed the serpent and cursed the ground and stated the consequences to Adam and Eve, like as God speaks and says to them, the price tag for you guys now is, is pain and turmoil in your relationship and ultimately physical death, this was their second moment of truth. How they respond in this moment to, to God's confrontation of them for their first failure, how they respond in this moment will make all the difference for them. And I was thinking about these moments of truth and how I might have responded in this moment, how, 
how human beings tend to respond in these kind of moments when we're made aware of our shortcomings. We're made aware of how we've fallen short. And we, we, we have a tendency to do one of a few things. Um, sometimes when that happens, we get mad. Like we get mad at God. How, how dare He? You know, how dare He speak to me like this? How dare He set a standard like this? Like, who is God to be in charge of me in my life? Or like, how dare God, Adam and Eve listening to, all we did was ate a piece of fruit. Like, all we did was eat the fruit, and, and now we have all of these consequences. It seems very disproportionate to be angry at God for what, he had, what His consequences for them for their sin were. So sometimes we get angry at God. Sometimes we get angry at ourselves. Like, how could I? Like, how could I do something like that? How could I have been so dumb? How could I have been so unwise? How could, like, how could I have been so foolish to walk into something like that? Now I'm going to kick myself and beat myself up because, because I deserve that for what, for what I have done to myself. And so sometimes anger is a response. Um, sometimes we go into denial. You know, we, we hear God say something particularly. They could have gone into denial from all this and said, you know, I think God's just kind of, maybe he's overstating the case, trying to scare us a little bit. Um, this kind of stuff isn't really going to happen. We're just going to keep moving forward with our life and we're going to pretend like maybe we didn't really do as bad a thing as we did or that we really didn't fail in that way or that God's consequences for us. Like, there's just a denial there that human beings, we tend, to, we tend to just kind of minimize things by denying them. We can also just get resigned to our fate, just kind of a fatalistic, okay, you know, if this is, if this is what I've done and this is what I'm going to get, this is what I deserve, then just going to muddle forward as best I can and, and live in this new reality with, with whatever I get. And there's, there's a resignation to our faith that sometimes we do. And then I think a common response for many of us is we, we get busy. We just say, hey, okay, um, I hear you. I realize that I've dug a hole. I've, I've got myself into this mess. So I need to get myself out of it. And I'm going to, like, what do I have to do? To, to earn my way back into God's good graces? What do I have to, like, how good do I have to be? If we could put it all on the scale, how good do I have to be to, to recover from this miss, from this failure, from this sin that I've committed? What do I have to do for that? And, and all those are natural responses, natural tendencies. They're human. They're not just for us as Americans. They're, they're part of the Scripture in different people's lives. But what we're about to learn from our first parents is that any of those natural tendencies we have, those are the wrong responses. Those, those kinds of, those kinds of failure, those kinds of responses, they're not, they're not the response God's looking for. They're not what God desires from us. They're not what he's asking of us. If that's how we respond in the moment of truth, when we're faced with our failure, when we're confronted with our sinfulness, if we respond in any of those ways, uh, we miss again. Like we're missing the moment again, and it's failure upon failure. I love what Adam said, because having fallen and having failed once, they, they hit this second defining moment. He didn't miss it. He got it right. And it's, it's in response to God's statement that you're going back to the ground. You know, if you eat from the fruit, you're going to surely die. And from dust you came, and to dust you will return. And in that moment, Adam speaks to, I mean, he just speaks to his wife and to the Lord. In verse 20, Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. What Adam was doing in that moment was responding to something that God had said up in chapter 3, verse 15. This is the very first time that the good news 
in the Bible is proclaimed what God says to the serpent in the hearing of Adam and Eve. He says to the serpent that I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And Adam heard the Lord say to the serpent, the woman is going to give birth to a child. There's going to be life that comes from her that results not in death, but in life, in a conquering and in a victory. And in Adam naming Eve, like his wife Eve, her name means life giver or the living one. And it's just his statement of faith in God's promise that from her would come one who would give them life. And so the first thing that I would say that we learn from our first parents when we have fallen, when we have failed, when we have missed the moment, is to be a person of faith. Um, to have faith, to express that faith, that confidence in God. This is a moment from Adam and Eve. It's a moment of amazing spiritual insight. It's a moment of perception and in clarity. And instead of letting it go, Instead of holding on to maybe their natural tendencies, what they would rather have done, they seized this moment, and with all the faith that they had, they declared their confidence and their hope in God as the one who would ultimately give life and light to them. And if you're a person who's, who's missed it, you know, as I'm talking about these things, you're thinking about a particular time, or maybe you would just say that it's just the general tenor of my life, I've missed it. What God asks of you is not that you figure out a way to fix it, not that you wallow in it and beat yourself for it, but that you recognize that he has something more and something better for you and that you would just say, hey, I'm going to put my confidence in God as the one who gives life and light. The second thing that Adam and Eve did, and this is really interesting to me, verse 21, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. When Adam and Eve first realized their eyes were open, and they first realized that they were naked and they were ashamed of themselves, what they did is they went and got fig leaves and sewed those together and tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. Of course, that covering doesn't work. It doesn't cover, it doesn't satisfy, it doesn't, you don't stay covered. Like it had in no way was it covering them in an adequate way. And instead of insisting upon covering themselves and continuing to fight for covering and protecting themselves, what they did was they received what God wanted to offer them. They received in these skins what God was doing for them. God was offering them forgiveness. Because the scripture is very clear. God told them that the day they ate of the fruit, they would die. And the Bible tells us a little later in Romans particularly, it tells us that the wages for sin is death. When human beings sin, when we insist on our independence from God, the price tag for that is death. And what God did here is, is He sacrificed, God Himself sacrificed animals and used their skin to cover His people. And that covering for Adam and Eve was God's extension of, of forgiveness to them. And instead of fighting him and refusing that and insisting on things their own way, they were willing to receive this forgiveness that God had for them, not fighting for the best that they could do, but, but willing to take the best that God could do for them in their circumstances. And I was, I was thinking about this and what God had done for them, and I just was, I was thinking about what this says about God. And there's a few Bible verses, particularly from the Psalms. Listen to these about this God who is who is willing to forgive people. The Lord is gracious and righteous. 
our God is full of compassion. That's from one, Psalm 116, verse 5. Psalm 145, verse 17. The Lord is righteous in all His ways and faithful in all He does. Psalm 86, verse 15. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And then Psalm 32, verse 1 says this, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. And because this is how God is, we can receive this forgiveness that He's offering, and I, I mean really receive it. You know, letting go of our past, let our past go, turn loose, receive this forgiveness, receive what He says to us and what He says about us, and, and receive this covering that He wants to give to us. We can receive all of these things and, and then this is the third point from our first parents, move forward. We can move forward. And we don't have to get stuck. We don't have to wallow in, in our situation. We don't have to worry about whether or not God has forgiven us. Once we've received that forgiveness, we have this incredible opportunity to move forward. At the end of chapter 3, after God has made the garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he's clothed them, clothed them God does this thing that's really interesting. He actually banishes them from the Garden of Eden. He makes them leave. And he puts them out into the rest of the world which God has created and which has now been impacted by Adam and Eve's sin. But his sending them out is an act of grace. He sends them out because he doesn't want them to eat from the tree of life. If they were to eat from that tree of life, they would find themselves people who had eternal life in this fallen condition. And so instead of letting them stay in their fallen condition, forgiven but fallen, and living in consequences, he sends them out of the garden, away from that tree of eternal life. He has clothed them, he has covered them, he has entered into a new kind of relationship with them that is based on blood and forgiveness, and they are as prepared as they can be to move forward, living in the consequences of their sin. God did not erase the temporal consequences of their sin, but he did take away the eternal consequences of their sin and so so you and i have this tremendous opportunity to receive god's forgiveness and to move forward into the life that he has for us it might be a little uncomfortable to think about living out in the consequences of missed opportunities but we all do we all live in the consequences of decisions and choices that we have made and what i love about god is that he is gracious and he is compassionate and he is forgiving, and he is loving, and he is the God who has provided and has made a way for you and for me to experience the kind of life and the kind of freedom that he wants to give to us. God's, God's provision for all of that is Jesus. These first skins that he covered Adam and Eve with, it was the first sacrifice that was pointing us towards the sacrifice of Jesus. And many years later, Jesus came. Jesus, the Son of God, came and he lived on this earth and he lived a perfect life. He lived the life without sin. Every defining moment, he rose to the occasion. He met it in a way that honored God and moved forward. Like Jesus lived, he lived every moment the way you and I wish we could. And he ended his life by dying on a cross, sinner's death. So what that tells us is that he was taking your penalty, my penalty for, for the sins so that we could be forgiven. And today it's the first weekend of the month and here at Christ Community Church for us that always means communion. And so if you, um, I know we told you during the announcements, so if you've got your communion supplies there, what I'd like to do is lead us through 
a time of communion, which is a time of remembering the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. It's a time of faith. It's a time of, of receiving forgiveness. It's a time of moving forward, all because of Jesus and his willingness to go to the cross for us. So if you would, um, if you get your communion supplies, I've got mine here this um, This moment, this could be a defining moment for you. Like this moment could be a moment of faith. If you've never put your trust in Jesus as the one who paid for your sins, this would be a great moment for you to do that. This could be a moment for you to receive the forgiveness that God wants to give to you. And maybe you would say, hey, I've put my trust in Jesus as my Savior. I know I've been forgiven. This could still be a moment of you actually receiving and moving forward in this forgiveness that God has offered to you. You don't have to, you don't have to live in, in regret. You don't have to live in the pain. You don't have to live in fear. You, you could live in the life and light that God wants to give to you. This could be a moment where you, where you really receive and you really let go of the past and you, and you walk away from that past which God has released you from. And this would be a moment for you to walk forward in, in a new way of living, in a way of life, in a way of light. So you have, you have a piece of bread there, I hope. Jesus initiated this little ceremony of remembrance for us. It was the night before he went to the cross, and he told the people who followed him to, to do this in remembrance of me. He took a piece of bread, and he broke it. And um, after he broke that bread, he told them, this is my body, which is broken for you. So eat this in remembrance of me. So let's eat the bread in remembrance of Jesus together. And at that same meal, he took a cup. It was a cup of wine or juice, and he told them, this cup represents my blood, which is shed for you. Because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. We see it from the very first sin, the very first fall, the very first failing. What it, what it took to cover the sins of mankind was not a fig leaf, not our best efforts. It was, it was the sacrifice, a God-initiated, God-ordained sacrifice on our behalf. And Jesus knew he was, he was God's great sacrifice for our sins. And so he told us this blood is poured out for you. It's my blood, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Let's drink this in remembrance of him. So I'd like to pray for us. And after I pray, I have some, I have some questions for you to think about and to reflect on, um, whether you're watching this by yourself or you're with friends and family. It'd be a great healthy discussion um, to help really drive some of these things home from this first message in our Defining Moments series. So if you would please bow your head and close your eyes with me and let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for being gracious and righteous and full of compassion, being righteous in all your ways, faithful in all you do, for being loving towards us. And we are here today blessed as people whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. And what you want to offer us in Jesus, we say yes to that. Um, we don't want to fight for our own way of 
earning forgiveness. We, we release the anger we feel towards you, towards ourselves. We're, we're not going to be fatalists. We're not going to just be resigned to, to the way it is. We're going we're gonna to say yes to you and receive what you are giving to us. And Jesus, thank you for being God of second chances, third chances, fourth chances. Thank you for being the God who, who rescues, the God who redeems, the God who restores our hope and our confidence is in you. I pray for myself. I pray for my friends who are participating right now. I pray that there would be, be a weight off of our shoulders, that this, this stuff that we've been living under and the sin that we've been hanging on to and wallowing in, I pray that you would we'd just be released from that to walk in the life and the light that you're giving to us. And all this is possible because of Jesus. And to Jesus, we love you and we say thank you. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, so let me give you a few things to, to think about or to talk about there as you um, finish your time of worship together this, this day. So the first question for you is just because it's the holiday weekend, the 4th of July weekend, which of our American freedoms do you most appreciate or do you most enjoy? There's a lot of tough things happening in our country right now, and we don't want to diminish any of that, but I also think it's a good time for us to talk about things that we love and things that we appreciate about this land that the Lord allows us to live in. Second question Share a defining moment from your life. Did you see it for what it was then? And how is your life different today? And it doesn't have to be a deep spiritual, it could be, but it doesn't have to be a deep spiritual defining moment. It could be something that's fun or time you met somebody or an opportunity that you had. And so great conversation there. Number three, what is your go-to response when confronted for your failures and sins? Are you anger, denial, self-sufficiency, confession, something else? How do you typically respond when you're confronted? Fourth question, are you good at moving forward or are you more likely to get stuck after you have fallen? And then my fifth question for you is, do you see God as gracious, righteous, compassionate? And how else would you describe him? Uh, and why would you describe him that way? really grateful that we've been together today. Thank you for taking time to participate in worship with us here at Christ Community Church. May God bless you guys. Have a great weekend, and we will see you next week. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us online today. If you know of any needs in our church or the community, please let us know because we want to help. You can do this by contacting the church office or going to our service opportunity tool on the website. We'll work with you to figure out how CCC can help. Thank you for choosing Christ Community Church online for your church experience today. See you next time. Bye-bye.